fuck us once, shame on us. You fuck us twice, shame on you. You're dead. listening to Lost in Twin Peaks, a podcast for both first-time and veteran viewers of Twin Peaks, the mystery series that ran for two seasons in the early 90s on ABC, followed by a feature film, and 25 years later, a limited series on Showtime. And at the time of this recording, who knows what after that. If you're a new listener who has just discovered this podcast and wants to know more, check out Episode Zero, Show Format. The following week of Daily Podcasts will cover Part 10 an episode of Season 3 aired on Showtime in 2017. The network used lines from each episode for titles, so Part 10 was also known as Laura is the One. Although recorded for patrons back in 2018, I'm re-editing and re-presenting this coverage, including some new sections, for public release beginning on July 16th, 2022, the fifth anniversary of Part 10. You can also explore the illustrated companion published on my site, lostinthemovies.com, This morning. It goes up at 8 a.m. if you're listening to this earlier than that. The link in the show notes will be active then. This illustrated companion incorporates screenshots and other images to reflect stories, characters, events from the time, and so forth, in some cases in greater detail than the podcasts themselves. Although I mentioned a lot of my other podcasts from separate feeds or platforms in the previous introduction for Part 9, This past week, I didn't release anything else in that format, so there's nothing to share now, although a new Twin Peaks cinema will be released during the upcoming week, so keep an eye out for that. Today's podcast features the categories of Laura Palmer, the feel of the episode, and the structure of the episode. From this valley, they say, you are I will miss your bright eyes and sweet smile. For they say you are taking the sunshine that will bright my path away of life. I watched part 10 in a lodge in the California woods. I was out in uh, near the uh, Yosemite for a cousin's wedding. And uh, it was kind of the perfect location to watch at least one episode of Twin Peaks. And this was a pretty good one to watch with that, you know, with those shots of the woods before the log lady and, and actually opening with the shot of the mountains 
before we go in for that Richard scene with Miriam. This is definitely an episode that has a fair amount of emphasis on Twin Peaks, although ultimately it's a few Vegas characters who dominate this episode, which of course we'll talk about. This is also a very violent episode. It's also one of the few to have an actual sex scene in it. And as I was watching it in this lodge, you know, to get the Wi-Fi, I was just sitting in the middle of the room with all these people walking by. So including like, you know, my younger cousins and stuff. So it kind of had to be careful with where, where the laptop was angled. But it was a pretty memorable way to watch the episode. It was one of the few that I didn't write about that night. I streamed it, I think, uh, uh, possibly live, certainly within an hour of it airing, but I didn't have time to write about it. We all had to go out for dinner, and then I wrote about it the next morning. It also came out on July 16th, which is, uh, well, for one thing, it's the anniversary of the Trinity Test, so that's interesting given the role that plays in, in Twin Peaks. But more personally, it's the anniversary of my site. And of course, the episode is also called Laura is the One. And, you know, Laura is certainly my favorite character. I titled the fourth chapter of my journey or the fourth part of my journey through Twin Peaks series, Laura is the One. So that in itself was pertinent. I was looking forward to this episode and curious to see what it would be. Laura is more prominent in this episode than she's been probably since part seven. We see when Gordon has that vision, we see a shot from Firewalk with me transposed across the doorway. It's really cool just because the way that Lynch composites it, it gives us a sense that her face is like gigantic. Like it's almost just this, you know, it's it's like I think of those shots of King Kong or something where King Kong is looking in at Faye Ray and reaching in through the window. Like it looks like something like that. And this is the shot of when uh, Laura arrives at Donna's door and she's breaking down because she's just seen her father exit the house after she saw Bob and she's realizing that her father is probably Bob. And that's the moment of trauma that, that uh, Gordon Cole and Lynch is being confronted with here. It feels like a big reminder because some of that stuff that's been hinted at on the show or talked about just of Laura's whole mystery and her tragedy. But for the most part, they've been looking elsewhere. But Lynch keeps wanting to remind us that as the episode title itself says, and as the log lady says in the line that gives the episode its title, Laura is the one. That line was first said by the log lady in an introduction for the series, for the pilot specifically. When Bravo re-aired Twin Peaks in 1993, they hired Lynch to write and direct a bunch of log lady intros, one for each episode. And for the pilot, it... It ends with the log lady saying it's a story of many, but it begins with one. The one who leads to the many is Laura Palmer, and I knew her. Laura is the one. And in turn, that line, I think, comes from the pilot when James pulls in on his motorcycle, the big Ed, and he says, you know, they're talking about Laura dying, and he says she was the one. Something about that obviously just stuck with Lynch. And he's been kind of on that uh, on that point ever since. I was really looking forward to this episode because of the title and wondering, is this when Laura is really going to come back in a big way? And it isn't that. It isn't that. Uh, it really wasn't what I was expecting. But nonetheless, I found it kind of haunting. And I, I loved that shot in that moment. And overall, I think this is an effective, strong episode. It's probably not among like the top episodes of the show, if you were listing like three or four or even five. But I think it's pretty solid and... Uh, probably deserves a little more credit than it, it gets or it got at the time. It was very intense. It had a lot of tonal shifts like the old Twin Peaks does. In particular, this reminds me of episode nine of the old series, the second episode of season two, where Lynch will have like one scene where Renette's freaking out in her hospital bed and the 
monitor is going crazy and there's a picture of Bob and the music's going. And then all of a sudden it cuts to Jerry and Ben, like sitting in front of a fire talking about uh, the contracts and uh, the smoked cheese pigs and stuff like that. Or, you know, later in the episode, you have James and Donna and Maddie singing Just You. And then Bob comes crawling across the couch like this is that kind of episode. There's a lot of really funny stuff in this episode, but it's a pretty dark episode. It's, it's definitely, as I said, very violent. I remember there was a piece that came out right after this. I guess I'll link it below talking about, you know, is, is Twin, Twin Peaks must be the most misogynist show ever because somebody watched it. I guess I don't think they had that much context for it. You know, they'd seen some of the old episodes and they tuned in and just saw all of these like really violent scenes and were kind of horrified. And then there was another article and uh, I'm not the first to compare these two articles. I think Discourse Collective, the episode that I was on after season three finished, they explicitly compared these two episodes because they were both about part 10, but they looked at it from different perspectives. And the other article points out, well, you know, it's perfect that this happens in an episode called Laura is the One because, you know, Twin Peaks always had Laura at its core and Laura's story is a story of sexual violence and of, you know, misogyny and exploitation and everything like that. That's certainly suitable in, in that sense. Now, I do kind of have questions about how effective the Richard story is overall, but it, it's strong material it's well delivered i guess with it what i'm saying is within the context of this episode and i'll talk about this more when it comes up in the story section but within the context of this episode i think the richard material works it's just i have some questions about the overall necessity or function of it i guess you could say there's a dark and strong mood throughout this whole episode not just in terms of the violence and the you know intensity but it also feels kind of like a night episode. Uh, I don't think there are that many night episodes, or sorry, my, that many night scenes in it. Although the last section with the log lady and then Rebecca Del Rio singing No Stars for fully seven minutes, you know, that creates a sort of a nighttime impression just on its own. And also there's some night scenes with the Mitchums, a couple night scenes with the Mitchums and you know, the night scene, the the love scene with Janie E and Dougie. So I guess, yeah, it, it really does start to feel like a night episode. And I feel like this batch of episodes has a night feel to it. There's just something about them that feels a little moodier, a little more nocturnal. The overall structure is uh, a little different from the previous episode. It is a little more eclectic in terms of cutting back and forth between different places and different story fragments going in there. But I feel like there's concentration in certain areas. They concentrate a lot on Richard. They concentrate a lot on the Mitchums. And there's also successive scenes of violence, just scene after scene after scene at the beginning. It's just just as I talked about how last, last week, well, really every week, those opening scenes kind of establish a feel or a tone for the episode. They do that this week as well, just three scenes of violence in a row, one extremely violent, one more suggestive where there isn't actually physical violence committed, but it's like on the verge of happening. And then the third one, violence happens, but it's very comedic, you know, Candy hitting the Mitch, uh, Rodney Mitchum in the face with a remote because she's trying to catch a fly. There's a lot of random material here, but there is a flow to it. I, d I don't think it's quite as cohesive as the next episode, uh, part 11, but I do think that it's a little more cohesive than it's given credit for. That's it for this episode. Please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. You can support this work on patreon.com slash lostinthemovies. Tomorrow we will discuss the out-of-town storylines, the scenes that take place in Las Vegas and South Dakota. Uh, nothing with Mr. C this time. <laughs>